Chapter Seven of the Yellow Dove by George Gibbs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Oliva. An Intruder. He looked from one to the other with a quickly appraising eye. The girl was fingering the lace of her bodice. Rizzio had turned toward the newcomer, recovering his poise. Hope I'm not intrudin', said Hammersley with a laugh. Well, Hartley, you've come in a hurry. Yes, drawled Hammersley. I missed your train, I think. Too bad. Jolly slow work, travelin' alone. Stryker picked me up at Edinburgh, and we came on by motor. He took off his fur coat in leisurely fashion, and crossing to the fireplace, took Doris's proffered hand. You had my note? he asked carelessly. The girl nodded. I was glad, she said. Well, I'm here. Jolly happy, too. Had a narrow squeak of it, though. Some bally idiot stretched rope across the road over by Saltam Rocks, but we saw it in time and went around. Fired a few shots at us, too. Must have taken me for Rizzio. What? He laughed. Thus directly appealed to, Rizzio smiled grudgingly. You don't ask me to believe that story, Hammersley, he said dryly. You don't have to, Rizzio. The girl's look was fixed on Hammersley's face. Suddenly she broke in with a voice of alarm. Cyril, you're hurt, and there's blood on your coat. Is there? By Jove, so there is. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't mind a peg, though. And a cigarette. Doris had started for the door in alarm. Wait, Hammersley's voice came sharply. And as she paused, ring, Doris. She understood and touched the button beside the door. We might as well have an understanding before they come, Rizzio, put in Hammersley quickly. Do you prefer to believe my story, or would you like to invent one of your own? Rizzio shrugged. As you please, he said. It seems that I am de trop here. At the door he paused and finished distinctly. I hope that your explanations will prove satisfactory. Doris had helped Cyril off with his coat, and by the time the maid brought Betty Heathcote, had cut away the sleeve of his shirt with Cyril's pocket knife. It was merely a gash across the upper arm, which a bandage and some old-fashioned remedies would set right. Lady Heathcote heard the story, from which Hammersley eliminated the rope, with amazement, and was for sending at once for the local constabulary. Oh, it's hardly worth while, said the Honorable Cyril, sipping his whiskey and water comfortably. Poor devils, out of work, I fancy. Wanted my money. If they'd come to Benakil tomorrow, I'd give it to em. But I wouldn't mind, Betty. If you could put me up for the night, I'm not keen to be dodging bullets in the dark. Of course, said Lady Heathcote. How extraordinary. I can't understand. Saltam Rocks? That's all my place. Something must be done, Cyril. Hammersley yawned. Oh, tomorrow will do. Couldn't catch the beggars in the dark. Besides, it's late. Do me a favor, Betty. 
don't let those people come in here again i want a word with doris he had stretched himself out comfortably on the davenport his eyes on the girl who still stood uncertainly beside him lady betty shrugged and taking up her basin and lotion moved toward the door it's most mysterious are you sure we're quite safe quite but i think it might be better if i had the room between yours and doris's i was putting john rizzio there we'll change there's a dear and saying nothing about it i-i might need a new dressing on this thing in the night she examined him curiously but he was looking lazily into the fire having already taken her acquiescence for granted when she went out hammersley sat up and threw his cigarette into the fire you have it still he whispered anxiously taking doris by both hands she nodded thank god for that i seem to have arrived at the proper moment i was about to burn them he drew a long breath of relief you know what they are yes i read them i was afraid you would you have spoken to no one no proudly hardly after what i went through and with an air of restraint she told him everything he listened a serious look in his eyes it was my fault i should have left them in the machine i got away scot-free yes i know i saw you you poor child he said softly i was desperate i thought it necessary how can i ever thank you you can't the tones of her voice were strange i'd jolly well give my life for you doris you know that he said earnestly it's something less than that that i want and something more your word of honor my word yes she went on quietly to forswear your german kinship and give me an oath of loyalty to england difficult as it is i'll believe you Shh. he glanced toward the door all the windows of the room were closed he told you that i was a german spy he whispered anxiously you forget that i had proof of that already he sat up and looked into the fire i hoped you wouldn't read em it has done no good i have no regrets i will not betray england cyril even for you he rose and paced the rug in front of her for a moment then he spoke incredulously in a whisper you mean that you won't give em to me i mean that precisely but that is impossible he went on with greater signs of excitement than she had ever seen in him don't you realize now that every moment the things are in your possession you're in danger great danger isn't what you're gone through isn't this and he indicated his arm the proof of it yes she said firmly but i would rather suffer injury myself than see you share the fate of captain byfield he started oh you heard that yes jack sandys is here she put her face in her hands in the throes of her doubts of him and then suddenly thrust out her hands and laced her fingers around his arm oh give it up cyril for my sake give it all up can't you see the terrible position you've placed me in if i give these papers to jack sandys they'll come and take you as they took captain byfield i've kept them for you because i promised 
but i cannot let this information get to germany i would die first what shall i do she wailed what on earth can i do his reply made her gasp there's a fire he said quietly burn him her fingers went to her corsage and her eyes gleamed with a new hope she took the crumpled rice papers out and looked at them then in a flash the thought came to her you know the information contained in these papers she asked in an accent of deprecation no he replied shortly i merely glanced at them you hadn't the chance to study them no still she hesitated but what what is rizzio he walked to the door of the room opening it suddenly then he shut it quietly and coming back to the fire took the poker and made a hole between the glowing coals barnum he commanded she obeyed him wonderingly and together they watched the package of rice papers flame into a live coal and then turn to ashes when the last vestige of them had disappeared they sat together on the davenport cyril thoughtful the girl bewildered what is rizzio she repeated he told me that he was an agent of the english government i can't tell you he whispered hoarsely i can't tell you anything even you don't you understand no i don't it's your word against his i would rather believe you than him i want to cyril god knows i want to didn't i ask you to burn the papers didn't he try to prevent it yes can't you see if he were acting for england it wouldn't matter what became of them if they didn't reach germany oh i thought of that but what you have told me bewilders me why should you run away with the secrets of england given you by a traitor who is about to pay the penalty with with death what does it mean why didn't you take those papers at once to the war office why did captain byfield give them to you he a traitor to you cyril it's all so horrible i am frightened your danger rizzio's men here tonight all about us if they were english secret service men cyril put in quietly wouldn't they come here to this house and arrest me in the name of the law yes there must be other reasons why they can't what is the contest between you and rizzio tell me tell me everything i will believe you haven't i kept your trust if i could do that for your sake do you not think that i could keep silent for england's sake her arms were about his neck and her lips very close to his but he turned his head away so that the temptation might not be too strong for him i can't he muttered i cannot speak even to you i am sworn to secrecy she drooped upon his arms and then moved away despairingly it was the failure of the appeal of her femininity that condemned him oh you won't let me believe in you you won't let me it's too great a test you're asking of me everything is against you but the worst witness is your silence he stood by the mantel his head lowered it is hard for you hard for us both he said softly but i can't tell you anything anything he raised his head and looked at her with pity she had sunk upon the divan her head upon her arms 
in a despair too deep for tears he crossed and laid his hand gently upon her shoulder you must trust me if you can i will try to be worthy of it that's all i can say he paused and now you must go to bed you're a bit fagged perhaps in the morning you pull up a bit and see things differently she straightened slowly and their eyes met for a moment his never wavered and she saw that they were very kind but she rose silently and without offering him her lips or even her hand moved slowly toward the door he reached it in a stride before her and put his hand upon the knob there's one thing more i've got to ask her look questioned you must sleep in my room tonight next to betty's i shall sleep in yours her weary eyes sought his with an effort you mean you think rizzio would still she paused yes he thinks you would not give them to me and then with a laugh you wouldn't you know and if i tell him i have burned them he will not believe you he would not believe me she repeated in a daze you must do what i ask cyril went on quietly i know what is best i'll arrange it with betty he glanced at his watch one o'clock by jove it's time even for auction players she promised him at last after a protest on his own account nothing to worry about he laughed they may not try anything and when they find i'm there they'll bundle out in a hurry thus reassured she went out to the drawing-room where the card-players were just rising rizzio was nowhere to be seen cyril at once took their hostess aside and told her that doris was a little upset by the shooting asking if betty would mind letting her take the room next to her own so that she could open the door between don't say anything about it betty he urged just ask her in won't you when you get upstairs and you i could do a turn on steel spikes he laughed your arm right as rain it's nothing at all doris accepted the situation without a word indeed she was numbed with the fatigue of strained nerves the swift rush of incident since betty's london dinner with its rapid alternations of hope and fear had left her bewildered and helpless but it was the interview with cyril tonight that had plunged her into the dark abyss of despair she had tried so hard to believe in him but he would do nothing to take away the weight that had been dragging her down further and further from the light a new kind of love had come to her born of the new cyril who had won her over by the sheer force of a personality the existence of which she had not dreamed a short time ago she had wanted to see him awake a firebrand and she had had her wish for she had kindled to his touch like tinder but tonight, in her utter weariness it seemed as though her spirit was charred burnt to a cinder like the package of papers in the grate in the gun-room destroyed as the secret message had been in the great game that cyril was playing she undressed slowly listening for any sounds that might come from the room next door but the only sign she had of him 
was the familiar smell of his pipe tobacco which came through the cracks and keyhole a little later betty heathcote came in prepared for what she called a back hair talk but found her guest so unresponsive that at last she went into her own room and bed doris lay for a while watching the line of light under cyril's door wondering what he was doing and what the night was to bring forth one memory persisted in the chaos of the night's events cyril didn't know the contents of the papers and yet he had commanded her to burn them the thought quieted her and at last she saw the light in his room go out then after a time in spite of her weariness she slept she awakened trembling with terror listening for she knew not what and then as her wits slowly came to her she was aware of the sounds which had awakened her they were suppressed secret and strange but none the less terrible the shuffling of feet hoarse whispers and the creaking of straining furniture she sat upright slipped to the floor quickly and getting into the dressing gown at the foot of the bed stood for a moment in the middle of the room her heart beating wildly then with quick resolution she moved swiftly to betty heathcote's room and after assuring herself that her hostess still slept closed the door softly and passed the bolt again she hesitated the sounds from cyril's room continued the hard breathing of men who seemed with one accord to be trying to keep their struggles silent aware of her danger but considering it less than the physical need for immediate action with trembling fingers she turned the key and quickly opened the door at first silence utter and profound but full of a terror which a breath might reveal cyril what is it she managed to whisper Shh, she heard and dimly in the pale moonlight she made out the dark blur of figures upon the floor in the corner of the room cyril she repeated it's all right she heard in a breathless whisper go back to your room it's nothing but having ventured thus far she did not hesitate and closing the door behind her came forward upon the floor half against the wall was the figure of a man cyril was sitting on his legs and holding him with one hand by the neckcloth you're safe she whispered yes go back to bed don't you understand if anyone came i don't care her curiosity had triumphed she leaned forward and saw that it was john rizzio rizzio she whispered my room i ought to kill him doris said cyril savagely but i've only choked him a little he'll come around in a minute and then more quietly get me a glass of water but don't make a fuss and don't make a light there are men outside she obeyed and in a moment rizzio revived and sat up cyril standing over him his fist clenched oh let him go cyril please doris pleaded at the sound of the girl's voice rizzio started and with cyril's help struggled to his feet yes he's going the way he came by the window growled hammersley head first if i have my way 
Rizzio succeeded in a smile, though he was still struggling for breath. I suppose I... I must thank you for your generosity, Hammersley, he said with as fine a return of his composure as his throat permitted. I have been guilty of... of an error in judgment. I'm sorry you think it's only that, said Cyril dryly. Now go, he whispered threateningly, pointing to the window. In a moment, with your permission, he said, recovering his suavity with his breath, in extenuation of this visit, terrible as it seems to Miss Mather, I, I can only say that if I had succeeded, I would have saved her from remembering some day that she had given England's secrets into the hands of the enemy. You're mistaken, said Doris quietly. I have burned them. You... You ban them? Yes, tonight. Rizzio peered at her in silence for a long moment and then shrugged. Oh, he said, in that case, I have made two errors in judgment. You'll make a third if you're not out of that window in half a second, said Cyril. But Rizzio laughed at him. I don't think it would be wise to make a disturbance, he said coolly. I think Miss Mather will admit my generosity to herself and to you when I say that I've only to raise my voice and have half a dozen men up here in a moment. Doris clutched him fearfully by the arm, thinking of Cyril. You'd not do that. Hammersley laughed dryly. There's no danger, he said. No, returned Rizzio with a touch of his old magnificence. There is no danger of that. The reasons are obvious. As he moved toward the window, Hammersley touched him lightly on the arm. I warn you, Rizzio, he said in a low, concentrated tone, that you're playing a dangerous hand. I should punish you. But other agencies... Rizzio halted. Yes, other agencies, he replied significantly. He bowed in the girl's direction, and sitting on the window sill, he threw his feet outside. I bid you good night, and carefully feeling for his footing, he slowly descended. Cyril Hammersley followed him to the window, and Doris took a step in his direction, when her thinly slippered foot touched something in the wooden floor, something which slid upon the polished surface from the shadow into the moonlight. Instinctively, she glanced down and then started, scarcely restraining a gasp. There, unmistakable in the shape and color for so many hours graven on her mind, was a yellow packet of Rie Lacroix cigarette papers. She glanced at Cyril, who was closing the casement window, then stopped and, picking up the packet, fled noiselessly into her room and quickly locked the door. End of chapter 7